Hello, I'm Martin. I'm a student minister here at our church. Um, it would be good to have the Bible passage out in front of you. Let's ask God for his help in understanding it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a loving God. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. And we pray tonight that you'd help us to listen to you through your word. Help us not to be distracted, uh, but to focus, to learn And we pray that by your spirit and by your word, you would transform us into the likeness of your son. In his name, amen. Well, my friend Simon was born into a Christian family. His parents are Christian. And from when he was small, they taught him about Jesus, to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But during his early high school years, he felt like something was a bit strange, This is what he said. I was aware that there was something different about me, different from the people around me. I was not attracted to women like everyone else I knew, like all the guys in my year. Instead, I discovered that I was actually same-sex attracted. That was a lonely time for Simon. It was quite confusing. He found it very difficult to be a Christian with same-sex attraction. On the one hand, his parents and his church said that marriage is between a man and a woman, but his own desires were pulling him towards other men. He thought that the Bible spoke out against homosexuality, but society around him, especially the media, said, love is love. Love whoever you want, sleep with whoever you want. So many different voices. Who was he going to listen to? According to the stats, there's a good chance that someone here as well is figuring out what it means to be a same-sex attracted Christian. But I think the broader question is something that all of us need to grapple with. Who do we listen to? As you live your life, you'll need to figure out what the truth is. You'll need to discern between right and wrong. You'll need to decide how to live your life. And in those decisions, who will you listen to? In today's passage, the Corinthians have the same issue too. They don't know who to listen to. But what's worse, they've been persuaded by what some call the super apostles. We're going to read about them more in chapters 11 and 12 in the coming weeks. Now, these these super apostles, they aren't really apostles. It's a bit of a sarcastic phrase. These super apostles are false teachers who criticize Paul. But the Corinthians have been persuaded to follow the super apostles. Why is that? Well, the super apostles, they have these letters of commendation. They're eloquent. They're impressive. They focus on what is seen, not what's in the heart. But they aren't teaching the true gospel. They aren't true apostles of Christ. And on top of that, the super apostles are telling the Corinthians not to trust Paul. They say, Paul, Paul, he's timid. Don't listen to him. He, he doesn't speak well when he's with you. He's just an average guy. All bark and no bite. He's bold in his letter of rebuke, but he's timid when he's in, here in person. And yet, Paul wants the Corinthians to trust him. We saw that earlier in the letter. He loves them. He takes great pride in them. He's opened up his heart to them. He calls on them to open up their hearts to him. So what does Paul do? Well, he could be harsh on them. He could say, you're listening to the wrong people. Listen to me. 
but that's not what he does. Paul is gentle. Just like how his saviour was gentle and humble, Paul is gentle and humble. And so he begs, he begs the Corinthians to listen to him. He appeals to them to trust him. He knows he's going to visit them again. And he knows that he's going to be harsh on the super apostles. He's going to rebuke the super apostles. But he doesn't want to have to be harsh on the Corinthians. He wants them to trust him again. He doesn't want to be forced to be harsh and rebuke them in person. Let's read together the first two verses of 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 1. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Paul wants the Corinthians to trust him, to, to listen to him. And the rest of this passage is Paul giving them three reasons to trust him. Let's look at the first reason. Reason number one is that Paul speaks the word, words of God. Reason one, Paul speaks the words of God. See, these super apostles, they say that Paul just lives by the standards of this world. They think he's just an average guy. There's nothing special about him. He's not a spiritual leader. He's not an apostle of Christ. And you, you could kind of see where they're coming from. Paul doesn't boast about how great he is. His ministry is often just about words. He speaks to the Corinthians. He writes to the Corinthians. And that's about it. And yet, that's not it. Paul's ministry is about speaking and writing. He doesn't engage in physical fights, no guns or swords, no physical weapons. But the words he speaks are powerful. He's sharing the gospel. He's writing about God's truth. That's powerful. It's actually a spiritual battle. And those spiritual weapons, the words of God, they're powerful. Powerful enough to bring the Corinthians from lives of idolatry to knowing God and obeying him. And if you know God personally, you've, you've seen that in your own life as well. You've heard the word of God. That's been powerful in your life. It's caused you to put aside the pretensions and obstacles to faith. It's helped you to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The word of God is powerful. Paul is confident that the Corinthians will be, eventually be persuaded by the word of God. Their thoughts will eventually be obedient to Christ. And after that happens, when Paul is here in person, Paul will rebuke the super apostles. We don't know exactly what that rebuke or that punishment will look like, but Paul is confident that he will speak out against them once the Corinthians are aligned to Christ. So in some sense, Paul is just an average guy. But in another sense, there is something really special about him. He's sharing God's words with the Corinthians. And that's why they should listen to him. Let's look together, verses 2 to 6, from verse 2. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect toward some people who think we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Paul wants the Corinthians to trust him. And he's just shared his first reason. Reason number one is that Paul speaks the words of God. He isn't just some average guy living according to the world. No, he speaks the words of God to the Corinthians. And now Paul gives his second reason. The second reason is that Paul's authority is from Christ. Reason number two for listening to Paul, Paul's authority is from Christ. The Corinthians, they've been judging Paul by just appearances. They haven't really listened that much to Paul because he doesn't seem impressive. So Paul reminds them of the truth. He belongs to Christ. And what's more, Christ has given him authority for building the Corinthians up. They should listen to Paul because Christ has given him authority for building them up. So Paul will use that authority. He doesn't want to use that authority to scare them but he, he will rebuke them if he has to. Some people accuse Paul of being harsh in his letters, but weak in person. But Paul will speak with authority if he has to. Let's read verses 7 to 12. From verse 7, You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. Some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. Paul is begging the Corinthians to listen to him, to trust him. And he's given two reasons so far why they should do that. Reason number one, he speaks the words of God to the Corinthians. Reason number two, his authority is from Christ. Now he's about to share the third reason. God has assigned Paul to minister to the Corinthians. Reason three, God has assigned Paul to minister to the Corinthians. See, these super apostles, they were commending themselves. They were saying that their ministry was successful. They looked at the ministry and they said, that was the benchmark of a successful ministry. So those who did that kind of ministry was successful. Well, now that's a bit circular. Paul describes that as the super apostles measuring themselves with themselves, proving their own ministry success by their own ministry. But Paul isn't like that. He doesn't proclaim how successful his ministry is. He doesn't say how great he is. But he does explain what his ministry includes. God has given him specific work to do, a sphere of service. That work includes preaching the gospel to the Corinthians. See, if, if Paul hadn't preached the gospel to the Corinthians, it would be understandable for them not to listen to him. But it was Paul who brought the gospel to them. Through Paul... Under God's sovereignty, they trusted in Jesus. So they should listen to him. And Paul doesn't boast about the work that other people have done. He doesn't take credit for what other people do. 
No, he wants this sphere of activity to grow. He wants his gospel ministry to reach even more people. That's not to make himself look impressive, but it's because he wants more people to be saved. So why does Paul boast about his own work? Because ultimately, it's work from the Lord. God has given Paul this work, which includes preaching to the Corinthians. So the Corinthians, they should listen to Paul. Not because Paul commends himself, but because the Lord commends him. Let's read this in verses 12 to 18. From verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but we will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that, as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. But let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Okay, we've gone through a whole chapter, but the big idea is relatively simple. Paul wants the Corinthians to listen to him, to trust him. He doesn't want to rebuke them when he sees them in person. So how does he help them to trust him? Well, he gives them three reasons. Reason number one, Paul speaks the word of God. Reason two, Paul's authority is from Christ. Reason three, God has assigned Paul to minister to the Corinthians. So what does this mean for us? When not the Corinthians, Paul's not coming to visit us. Well, let's come back to the question we had at the start. Who are we listening to? My friend Simon was wrestling with his same-sex attraction. In his high school years, he didn't know how to think about homosexuality. Who would he listen to? And we too have to make decisions. We too have to figure out what's right and wrong. When we're thinking through those things, who will we listen to? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians because they were listening to the wrong people. They were listening to the super apostles. Paul wrote to them so that they would listen to him again, so that they would trust him. Why should they listen to him? Because he was sharing the words of God. Because his authority was from Christ. And those things are still true today. It's still true that Paul was appointed an apostle of Christ. It's still true that his letters share the word of God. And that's why CPC is reading 2 Corinthians this year. It's not only a letter from one person to a group of people. But what we've read today is actually the word of God. What we've read today is the word of God. And that's true for Paul's other letters too. That's why we study Paul's letters at church. But God has appointed other people as well. He set apart apostles and prophets. He's chosen people to write down his message. 
And that's what we have today in the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. We should listen to God through his word. The Corinthians, they were supposed to listen to Paul because he shared God's word with them. Likewise, for us, we should listen to God through the Bible. It's in the Bible that we have all of God's word for us. We should listen to God through his word. Now, in some sense, that's pretty obvious. God's the creator of the whole universe. God knows everything, and God loves us. So if he has given us his word in the Bible, of course we should read it. Of course, it's, it's the best way to know the truth, to know God, to know ourselves, to know how to live. If we were to listen to anyone, you would listen to the one who knows everything. But there are other voices as well. Our parents, our friends, society, celebrities, our colleagues, our teachers, sometimes these voices agree with God. Sometimes these voices say things that oppose God's word. When you hear these competing voices, who will you listen to? Now, I'm glad to say that I, there are many times when people here have listened to God. They've stuck with God's word. Many times when people really have chosen to listen to God's word over competing voices. For example, our society tells us to love our friends and distance ourselves from our enemies. Cancel culture says it's, it's good to get rid of people you disagree with. Some of my non-Christian friends have said, surround yourself with people who affirm you. And if people are going to bring negativity to your life, cut them off. You don't need that. But God's word tells us to love our enemies, to look to God who loved us even when we were his enemies, to forgive. And I know many people in our church have really listened to God, listened to him in his word rather than society. They've chosen to love those who are hard to love. They've spent time with friends and family who they don't get along with. They've reached out to the outsider. Many people here have heard competing voices. And in that, they've listened to God in his word. So when you hear competing voices, who will you listen to? There are times when we do listen to God. But sadly, there are times when we don't. And we give in to the competing voices of this world. I'll give an example of one area where some Christians have given in to these competing voices. And it's just an example. I could have chosen from a variety of other examples. It's what my friend Simon was wrestling with. Same-sex attraction, homosexuality. What does God say in his word? Well, he says a lot of things. Part of it is that we should love all people. That includes our homosexual friends and family. And so if you're someone here who's same-sex attracted, you are very welcome at church. And I hope you experience the love of God through the people here. That's not all God says. God has more to say about homosexuality. We see in Genesis, and repeated in Jesus' words, that marriage is between a man and a woman. In 1 Corinthians 1, homosexuality is a result of sin, and it's shameful. 1 Corinthians 6, people who are stuck in their sin, including those engaged in homosexual activity, those people won't be saved. God tells us that homosexual activity is sinful. 
But that's not what society says. Society says, you be your authentic self. No one can tell you otherwise. Our schools, our unis, our workplaces, they might say that you can sleep with whoever you want as long as there's consent. Society tells us that homosexual activity is good and that saying otherwise is evil. God and society. In this area, there are competing voices. And when you hear competing voices, who will you listen to? Last month, people were buying tickets to the Taylor Swift tour in Australia next year. And I could hear the hype at church. I heard it at Bible study. I heard it at CP's youth group on Friday. Heard it here on Sunday as well. One of my friends in, in Bible study has got tickets. And I, I told him I was going to mention Taylor Swift. And he said, you should call her Tay-Tay. <laughs> so, and I, I can see why t- people like Tay-Tay. She is a great singer. She's beautiful. She's wealthy, intelligent, friendly, impressive. Tay-Tay has a lot of influence. Millions of people listen to her. For example, in 2020, 2020 yeah, she posted on Instagram about how Americans should register to vote for their elections. And in the next 48 hours, more than 150,000 people registered to vote. Tay-Tay has a lot of influence. And to be clear, I don't love or hate Taylor Swift. I think you can be a godly Christian who appreciates her music. At the same time, Taylor Swift is quite openly supportive of the LGBTQ plus community. She says that homosexual activity is good, but speaking otherwise is evil. Lots of Christians look up to Taylor Swift. On the topic of homosexuality, she is one of those competing voices opposing God. And it's very easy to listen to her. Like the Corinthians, we sometimes listen to those who seem impressive, those who have a lot of power and influence. We listen to those we're surrounded by. Paul rebuked the Corinthians for listening to people who didn't have real authority. And as we think about Taylor Swift, what authority does she have for telling us how we should live? Is she our mother? Is she our creator? Is she sharing a message of God from us, to us? If anything, we should listen to the one with real authority. God himself. The one who made us. The one who knows what's best for us. He has given us his word so that we would know how to live. And for same-sex attracted Christians, the best way includes not engaging in homosexual activity. And for all Christians, we're called to uphold God's good design. Of course, homosexuality isn't the only area where there are competing voices. And when there are competing voices, it's very easy to get caught up with the impressive ones, the ones that shout the loudest, the ones that everyone else is listening to. Paul found out that the Corinthians weren't fully listening to him. And when he found out, he wasn't overly harsh on them. No, he appealed to them by the humility and gentleness of Christ. And if I may, I will follow Paul's example and appeal to you too by the humility and gentleness of Christ. I beg you, I appeal to you to listen to God 
through his word. Don't, com- don't give in to the competing voices. God has given us in the Bible exactly what we need to hear. The creator of the whole universe is so loving that he would give us his word, his truth in the Bible. So I appeal to you to listen to God through his word. Don't give in to the competing voices. LGBTQ+, those issues are one area where it is easy to give in. And it's right to recognise how hard it is to think through those things. I take it that maybe some people here think that homosexuality is okay. Maybe some people have lots of questions. Isn't God being unfair? What exactly is wrong with homosexuality? Isn't it okay as long as you're being loving? I recognise that this is a real struggle for a lot of people, both Christians and non-Christians. And if that's you, then I encourage you to spend time hearing God out. Read what he says in his word. Ask your Bible study leaders or a pastor to help you to think through it. There are many books to help us to understand what the Bible says about homosexuality. Many books and many things to answer our questions. Listen to God through his word. And as many have done so before, I hope that you too would see that what God says about homosexuality is true. It's good and it's loving. What the Bible says about homosexuality, about all things really, is worth holding to. Of course, homosexuality isn't the only thing where there are competing voices. There are competing voices on materialism, casual sex, purpose, contentment, many other things as well. But as you hear these competing voices, who will you listen to? By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Listen to God through his word. Don't give in to the competing voices. Well, I shared at the start about my friend Simon. Simon is a same-sex attracted Christian. As he was figuring things out in high school, he wasn't sure what to do. There were so many voices to listen to. So who would he listen to? Well, this is what he did. He acknowledged his own desires. He acknowledged society and the media. He acknowledged that many people said, you can have sex with whoever you want as long as there's consent. But ultimately, he listened to God. He read the Bible. He saw that God didn't want him to be in a homosexual relationship. He knew that God's design of marriage was between a man and a woman. He saw that that was a good thing worth upholding. Simon listened to God through his word, and he decided to live a celibate life. That's sometimes hard. And at the same time, he has a lot of joy as a Christian. He knows that he is dearly loved by God. He knows that he's been reconciled to God through Jesus' death. He knows he is living as God wants him to live. So he keeps listening to God. And because he, is, because he does listen to God, he is confident that he knows God personally. He's assured of God's love for him. And he knows how God wants him to live his life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are our loving God, that you do know everything and you've given us your word. 
Or you're sorry for the times when we haven't listened to you and we've given in to the competing voices in our world. We thank you so much that you have given us your word, though. And so we pray that you'd help us by your spirit to cling to you and to listen to you through your word. We pray that you'd help us to know your will, to know you and ourselves through your word, that we may live lives that are pleasing to you. In your son's name, amen.